Bones, episode 51, TGE the podcast. Welcome oh. to all listeners, new and old. So happy that you're here with us. So happy that we can spend another 35 minutes, Tyler. That's how much you had on your cartridge. So we're going to try and get it done. <laughs> How are you, man? Oh, before I ask you how you are, today we're going to be talking about Better Call Saul. We, we only got 35 minutes here, Sven. We only got 35 minutes. Okay, okay, sorry. Better Call Saul by user request because we're listening to you. Somebody sent us a bunch of scenes and um, I'm going to find out who that was. And while well, Tyler tells me how he is. How are you, man? So you just told me you're not going to be listening to what I'm saying and said, how am I doing? So let me address the people that do listen, Sven, the fine listeners of the podcast. I, I can we appreciate the listens, clearly. I appreciate the listens at the very least, and every one is important to me, unlike Sven, who doesn't even need to listen Still to his listening. co-host. But I... <laughs> If you enjoy what you're hearing, subscribe to the podcast. Thank you very much. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere that podcasts are. And I just got Stitcher Premium this week, which is interesting and fun to mess around with. We have some cool stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks, and we look forward to sharing that with you. Nice. So the listener is Brent. Brent suggested that scene. And um, because we listen, this is what we're going to do. And this is actually a brilliant scene, so I'm excited for today. Yes, it's a great show. And something I should say about it is that there, if you are interested in editing and interested in editing podcasts, they do a really tremendous podcast for this series, for Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. It started with the now infamous editor, Kelly Dixon, who just started recording herself talking with the other editors and stuff about cutting the show. The showrunner, Vince Gilligan, became interested in it and now is on every single episode. And it's incredibly informative to the filmmaking process. And they talk in depth about this scene on one of the episodes, which is really cool. And I was going to re-listen to it before this, because I couldn't exactly remember anything noteworthy was sharing. Then I realized, oh, wait, go listen to that, because that's not how this show kind of works. This show kind of works is we look at stuff unbiased and form an opinion and some insights on how it was cut together and our thoughts on that and dissect it. Is that is that what we're doing, Sven? Is that a fair assessment? I think so for the most part. I mean, we try to watch the movie and sort of understand what the context is of the scene. And uh, this particular episode is 207. It's called Inflatable. So I'm sure the podcast has the same number. And now that that I know, I'm going to listen in because I do have one question in particular about the scene that I wasn't able to figure out uh, in my research. So maybe it's in that podcast. Very cool. And this is a show that takes editing very seriously, at the very least celebrates it and does so much cool stuff with the editing in it. And there's so many cool scenes we could look at and break down from the series. And one other thing I want to say, going back into old episodes, and I don't think this will ever happen again, we were just loosely talking about schools that it's helpful to have on your resume in the LA area. And I, and I mistakenly left CalArts off of that list. So I just want to acknowledge that I've realized this. And that's obviously a great school in the film community, especially Disney. And I know a lot of great, talented people that went there. And one listens to this show that's very vocal. I'm totally kidding. I'm going to cut that out. Um, <laughs> so, And I also mistakenly said Pepperdine was one of those schools. But I think I'm realizing I had a student who was asking for a rec letter to apply to Pepperdine's master's program in editing. And then said, oh, never mind, I don't need it because they shuttered the program. So, yeah, I don't think that was a worthwhile school to mention if they shuttered their editing program. Oh, wow. There you go. Well, we do have some other user, uh, I always say user, listener comments. 
And I'd like to uh, quote Richard here, who sent us an email via Twitter. And he wrote, awesome podcast. I only have one more to go to catch up. Well, I'd be very curious to find out which one that is. Uh, would it be possible <laughs> to possibly pull together a top 10 list of edit examples using the same format? For example, letting a scene breathe, time compression, and so on and so forth. What do you think, Tyler? A list of scenes that do that successfully, that compress time well and let them breathe and stuff like that? Yeah, I think so. I think he's like, like we're picking an example of a certain editing technique or, or best mm -hmm. practice and then... I guess we'll find 10 movies for it or one movie. Not sure, but like maybe 10 episodes, each one focusing on one major editing technique. Well, the podcast does it with one scene and I would recommend your video on scenes that breathe. Didn't you do an entire YouTube video on that? I did one on, yes, on always tell a story and what that means. And one of the components is breath. And I use the Manchester by the scene example to show oh, wow. how breath is being used there. Yeah. In compressing time, I mean, there's just so many great examples. I can't, you know, I mean, off, we weren't asked to do this offhand, but I think it'd be something to maybe get some feedback from the listeners on. What scenes do you think do a great job compressing time? One I always like to show is, and it's, what it's called is it's elliptical editing yeah. where you are compressing time and you're, compressing an action though you're not really breaking time and you know an example i like to show is the very 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 beginning of three kings there's a scene mark Wahlberg runs uh, you know across the desert to this hill yes. and they compress time in a really smart way you could check that out but i'd be interested to see listen, have listeners point out movies that they think do a good job of that and maybe we'll read them off next week if that sounds fair Would this scene today qualify, or this is just a straight montage? This is not compressing time. This is a montage. This is a, this is, so the difference, and I guess that's a good comment for this week, to clarify, is a montage is story and time passing. I mean, story's always developing, but it's actually showing time pass and story develop in a creative way that celebrates the form of what can be done with editing. Yep. Sometimes not celebrating it at all, and that's the way you decide to go with it, and that's fine, because that might suit the moment. So it's a little bit different than getting someone down a hallway quickly and deciding not to use a cutaway yep. to hide the time it takes them to walk down that hall. It's just doing elliptical edit, compressing the action in, in a way that kind of makes sense. That's again, not always a jump cut because you can hide it yep. in an interesting way. It's just maybe another form of jump cut. Yep. Now, one movie that I think is really interesting that I just saw is Disney's The Lion King. Mm. And if, if we're talking about breath, there, I mean... I don't know. Maybe everyone's seen The Lion King. If you haven't, no spoil. I mean, this is, I get, it's a mid-movie spoiler where Simba reconnects with the other lion that Beyonce is playing. And they kind of rehash like a good, I don't know how, like 20 lion years, let's say, that have gone by. It's probably in reality like eight months or something. Um, that they haven't seen each other. And, and, you know, she poses a bunch of big questions and stuff like that. And it just, with the photorealistic lions to me, so completely did not work. And it's like, well, how could this scene be so badly written where they're just cramming all their information? It's like, hey, look, we're, like I'm in a whole new world. Oh, that's cool. Why did you leave? Or why don't you come be king? No, I can't do that. Hey, and then blah, blah, blah. And then, hey, let me show you around. It just skips through all this stuff. And then I realize if you had the ability to give it that breath 
because you have the expressions of human beings or the expressions of animated characters to kind of see that emotional change and the, the subtext of the meaning of those moments, you could really build like an amazing scene out of it. But when, no offense to my cat or Sven's new puppy, <laughs> when you're using just an animal's face, it's really hard to convey what a scene needs to kind of be breezy and still have emotional depth. So go watch that movie if you want to understand what, <laughs> what happens when you can't let a movie breathe. Nice. Now you have a reason to watch The Lion King. Um, I have another <laughs> listener comment. It's from Carlos. Ooh. He writes, Hi Sven, I wanted to ask you a question. The other day I heard about a DP who is lawsuiting, so he's suing a production company, not sure if the director or editor, because apparently the editor reframed a bunch of shots without consulting the DP, the director of photography. Is this real? Hmm. Can a DP demand this? Does the editor and director not have the call on this in the editing room? Thanks. Hope to hear from you. What do you think, Tyler? I will only say that they clearly can because it is happening. But what the verdict will be, that is to be decided. What do you think, Sven? So I, think, I guess it's just our opinions. And yeah. I have a pretty good idea where you're going to go. But well, what's your opinion, Sven? I He probably doesn't have a case. I mean, if this is a real movie where they did the contracts, he basically is surrendering all his creative contribution to the film, to the production company. I know that because I've signed these agreements with movie. I've done an, a Disney movie and I got a contract that basically I was not able to sue them if they wanted to change the edit or if they went another way, even if they decided to reduce my credit, I believe. Maybe I'm wrong on this. It really sort of put me in a way where I had very limited ability to, to get recourse. So I'm pretty sure a DP will not have the ability to insist on a certain type of framing unless maybe it is a, a, a high-end DP that like is so desirable that they only wanted to hire him and he was able to make some demands up front. Now, I did some research right. on this on the Internet and I could not find this lawsuit. So I, I cannot even confirm that there is a lawsuit going on with, with the DP trying to get this. But I don't think he would have a strong case. That's my opinion. Well, then I have to stand corrected. Maybe it can't happen. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's not happening. I don't even think Brad Pitt has that power for framing right, to reserve. Yeah, yeah it, it basically or, boils down to Final Cut, right? That would include reframing. Right. Yeah. So, whoever has Final Cut can decide the frame. And that's either with the studio or the producer or the director, whoever has the most power in that relationship. I don't think it's ever going to be the editor or the DP, ever. Unless it's some indie of the book kind of thing where they did some weird agreement. Yeah, I'm fascinated to learn more about how it plays out, but it seems... It seems very much like it's not happening in the studio system because also those people get paid yeah. well. So at the end of the day, it's like, oh, you reframe my shot, but I also have, you know, yeah. a quarter of a million dollars. That would fall on the final cut. Cool. And I want to work for you again. I just want to do the best job. And I mean, reframing, I don't know. I mean, I could see someone being pissed off their work. It's legitimately ruined and that could happen. So I, I understand both sides of it. But I think if we're talking about the legitimate system for all the reasons you said and many more. Uh, I mean, quite disruptive if that happened. Yeah. 
Quentin Tarantino had final cut on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which, I mean, he should have final cut on all of his projects, but apparently he didn't have that on many of the um, Miramax projects. Oh, yeah, because Weinstein's not giving it up. And there's a small handful of filmmakers that have that final cut. I mean, an incredibly small handful. It's amazing. And the new thing is that, not new, but the other thing is filmmakers also, if they get big enough, will want control over marketing as well, and that leads to deals falling apart all the time. Yeah, Like Fincher, allegedly, the Steve Jobs movie, he had Christian Bale. It didn't go through because... They wouldn't give him final say on marketing. It was like, I'm, I'm out. And then Danny Boyle did it. And Interesting. Yeah. Very cool. So well, there you go. Should we talk about Better Call Saul? Sure. What's that? That's a show. It's a television show. And it's the follow-up of Breaking Bad. I don't know if we need to set up a whole lot. I mean, Is this it a is, follow-up? I, yeah, I think so. It's, it's a, a sequel. It's a prequel to Breaking Bad. A prequel. Oh, it's the events oh, right. take place before Breaking Bad. Oh, yes, absolutely. And it was Vince Gilligan and team's follow-up to Breaking Bad. A lot of the same auspices came over. They had, of course, Kelly Dixon working on it at the start. She, The editor, and she kind of moved on uh, in the later seasons. But all of you know her assistant editors and stuff and other editors got to t- step up and take on episodes. So it's really cool. Yep. Chris McCaleb, I think, is an editor on that show. Do we know who edited this specific montage, Sven? It's Kelly Dixon, and she did it with somebody. Well, there you go. Together. Yeah, well, everyone from Breaking Bad's moving around, getting hired on all kinds of stuff, so it's tough to keep the band together, it feels like. But the cool thing about Kelly Dixon doing this montage with someone else is she did the montage for the pilot of Breaking Bad as an assistant editor and she worked on Reservoir Dogs like as an assistant in the editorial department so it takes a long time to go from assistant to get to getting episodes and then because she did such a cool job on that montage in the Breaking Bad pilot she got promoted to editing when the editor kind of stepped down it sounds like and then became just a huge part of that show so it's really cool story and and goes full circle with this montage I hope and this is a real cool montage as well so maybe she I'd be, curi- I'd be curious to find out who cut that scene, whether it was her or the other editor. Chris McCaleb. McCaleb. Yeah, that's what I said. It's like I knew in my heart of hearts. He and a, He has a bunch of producer credits in- and writer credits as well. So he's, cool. I think he might be transitioning or he's just going back and forth. But he, he worked on Breaking Bad, did one episode there. He did a bunch of Halt and Catch Fire. Fear the Walking mm-hmm. Dead, Narcos, mm-hmm. Better Call Saul. He did a total right. of eight episodes. Yeah, so if you want the intel of what's going on in their lives and stuff like that, you can check out the Better Call Saul podcast, Breaking Saul, maybe. I don't know what it's called. But because, uh, yeah, it's just it's such just a great community. And, and, just, and Vince Gilligan is obviously is an incredibly talented showrunner with tons of experience as a writer, but also is unfathomably good at communicating the craft and understanding when something needs to be explained when people are using shorthand for terminology and stuff knows who the show is for is always speaking to the audience so it's really really well done yeah and one the of other, those things when you see a super successful person's professionalism kind of echoed throughout every other aspect of their life and it all makes sense yeah and the other creator is P- peter gould um, mm-hmm. and he was the writer on breaking bad and i think he became then a creator 
on Better Call Saul. Yeah, and I think they're old friends, and I and I think Peter Gould might be who Vince Gilligan was talking to and told him the story about some guy cooking meth in this apartment building, and then he called him back like a few nights later and was like, hey, do you mind if I take that story that you were telling me about from the news of the guy cooking meth? I have something I might want to do with that. And he was like, what? <laughs> What's? I don't remember telling you that. So it's a great you know and so they were together the whole time breaking bad and then another sign of vince gilligan just being you know he not just being the sole showrunner giving that responsibility to someone who was with him for you know almost a decade of their lives working on that other hit show yeah it just it speaks well for the whole the whole group now tyler did you keep up with the with all seasons are you up to date or did you drop out oh yeah oh no breaking better call Saul. anything breaking bad related is, is appointment viewing nice because the stuff they are able to do in that format of a one-hour show, a drama, is just mind-blowing. And this is another great example of that, just how they can aesthetically push the boundaries of what could be done with the cinematic form, even though they did kind of abandon film for red camera for cost reasons, which I don't fully support. But, I, yeah, to me, it's just it's, it's absolute must-watch must TV. Cause this, and, I mean, just the fact that they've gone backwards. You have, I mean, you have characters that you know aren't at risk because you know that they're in a show that takes place years after this and still the drama they're able to weave into that and, and use. It's just it's in, remarkably done. I, I, feel that, I feel there's no show more painted into a corner than this one and the way that they they have creatively found their way around it is is and just mil and mi found this this mine of material is just great yep yep now this is fairly early in the legacy of that show so this is season number two episode seven and i was fully engaged really loving that story this is kind of where jimmy is at his height do you do you remember how the scene where the scene is placed like why is he doing the things that he's doing in this montage I, I didn't really watch it. I saw it when you sent it. I was like, that's perfect. Let's do it. I love that montage. And I think so, he's one thing I know is he's becoming Saul from Jimmy. He's messing with the clothing and stuff like that. He is a partner at this new company and he wants to get out. And he realized that he, he, he just sort of was almost doing a letter of resignation. And then he realized he's going to lose a bunch of money if he resigns. So he needs to get fired. And <laughs> so this is a whole ploy for him to get fired without cause. And that's, <laughs> that's his motivation for what's about to happen. <laughs> All right. So what we usually do in this podcast is we're looking at a specific scene. We're looking at the filmmaking, the editing, how the filmmaker and the editor um, executed on certain intentions And then we'll try to figure out how we could apply that to our own work or we just appreciate it for what it is, for being brilliant. So we have a link of this particular scene in the podcast description. And this is a publicly available clip on YouTube. So you can follow along. But we're also going to make it kind of like an audiobook. So you don't have to. You can just listen along and can hear to the music or the dialogue and see what's going on while we describe the shots and then we go back and talk about some some techniques cool tyler you ready i am ready for this all right i gotta do my screening recording here in a second i'll be ready okay here we go in three two one click we're in a closet just making some space <laughs> so we're just sort of having a full-on shot of a rack And there's some new suits coming in. They're all wrapped up in the same color as the actual previous suits. 
so it's nice and black and then he pulls the cover away and it's like these poppy colors disco colors or something <laughs> bubblegum colors and he walks into the office in a what is that like a pink suit with a 70s tie and all his partners are looking at him in with like shock Jimmy, this is Al Newman of Allied Funeral Homes. Great to meet you, Al. It's great. And it's the first time we're really seeing these colors that... Get started, shall we? Jimmy, that Saul Goodman is so known for. So it's just such a grounded way to bring this whole huge aspect of his personality into this. And then, of course, this dancing airman that is a big aspect of his future office, if I'm not mistaken. So we're having... Mimicking Jimmy. Split screen... Of this airman, it's it's like this. What you see when you drive by a used car shop, and it's this this little man that's dancing in the air, blow up inflatable. Now we're in the kitchen. Yeah. We're, it's a montage, so we're moving fast, and he's using a juicer. Ooh! And he's he's blowing up. Uh, I don't know what that is. Some red juice on the suits, juice, baby. <laughs> Beat juice on the suits. Split screen again. And then just this the, is the cut with the airman <laughs> dancing. We're seeing all just these this colors. frantic finger work. Yeah. Right. His shirts, different chain. It's this like green, but it's like and he's bubblegum green. Right. And he's kind of narrowing it in on Saul as he goes. Like it's kind of becoming this is something he likes. Yeah, we're in the office. It's a dolly shot. He's telling one of the paralegals, I guess, how to use the vacuum player, a uh, vacuum cleaner. And the guy's from Michigan. He spoke Spanish to him, or like fake Spanish. Intercutting the airmen, intercutting the ties, dancing in the air, intercutting him getting dressed in front of his mirror. All these different colors. Okay, well, wow. We're Full silver. Time. conversation I ever thought I would have in my professional career. But wow. It's been brought to my attention that we have Watch an ongoing up. situation in the washroom. Someone Close is not flushing. Close up on the Once assistant. is an accident, maybe even twice, three times. On. That's a and we're not talking about a number one. Yes. Thank you, Aaron. Now, I'm not here to shame anyone, nor to even want to know who bottom. did it. But, uh, Cliff, it was me. Jimmy, I just said I didn't want to know. There was like a medium shot we need of the, the boss when he said that. I read somewhere the Santa Fe watershed is down two full inches this year. Every time you flush a toilet, you waste a gallon of water. A gallon? What could be greater than this? The low-flow toilets, Jimmy. From now on, flush. Low-flow. Watch out. Good. Good thinking. And then we're ending on the airman and split-screen definitely like 80s 70s style the ties yeah just intercutting wow and you see that final tie i mean the the amazing thing with this scene to me rewatching it this montage is just and this isn't like a secret but the amount of care that production and the writers put into setting these montages up to just sing like this you know, it's not just, it's not a random thing at all when you get a Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul montage. They really, really, really are setting the editors up to do something impactful and special, very focused. I mean, the color theme in this is just amazing, and the like the the arc of the suits is just amazing. Like that final tie on the rack being the one is just 
I mean, what is that thing? It's um, it's really great. And then an, an even more extreme example of this, which I kind of thought we should do someday and maybe we'll come back to, is this amazing split-screen sequence from the last season where there's really only so much that editing can control in it. And the directors had to match the performances from the two actors at the same time and have it all kind of happen in sequence to nail it so perfectly. So it's, that's a whole amazing sequence too. And, and looking at, you know, the origins of split screen on better call Saul, this one is, is really well done, but why Sven? Because again, they start with a concept and this is kind of my question that I don't quite have the answer yet, but I assume I know the answer, which is this is almost written into the script. So oh, for sure they knew they were going to build this whole concept around this. Is this what it's called? An airman? Dancing airman? Uh, this inflatable thing? <laughs> I feel like th- you looked that up. Thing. Right. <laughs> um, yes. And if you, if you want to see the great airman gag, there's an episode of Always Sunny. I think it's the gang buys a boat that has the ultimate airman gag. Yeah. So they, they, <laughs> they knew that that's going to be the key visual of the scene. So all the colors are determined by that. And then also the cutting style. And they even justify this. This all is inspired by him driving by like a red light stopping. And he looks over and he sees one of those guys like spinning one of those advertising signs. And he's just super colorful. And I assume then we have like a shot of him like, hmm, I have an idea. This is how I'm going to get fired. And that (laughs) launches then this montage sequence where he buys the suits. And I love how at the beginning, we don't know what his deal is, that he's walking in with his new suits and they have this, the cover has the same color as everything else in this closet. So you're assuming he's just buying some regular suits and then he pulls the cover away and it's, it's these poppy colors. And right. that is great. Which we associate with Saul. So it's like, oh, here we go. Yeah, obnoxious Saul. And you think he's, yeah. Garish. So that's that's it, cool. In terms of the editing, I think that sequence, right from the get-go, there's a jump cut as we're pushing into the rack onto towards the shirts. And just one little jump cut on the beat of the music. And then for the next couple of mm-hmm. cuts, we're staying... Right at 17 seconds. Yeah, we're cutting on the beat. And then as soon as we're getting used to cutting on the beat, they change it up. Because yep. I, I anticipated now, okay, so we're going to be having the scene, we'll be cutting to, to the drums. And the moment that I mm-hmm. recognize that pattern, they keep they change it up. And that's that's such good editing because... There are a lot of editors that cut on the beat and they just stick with it. And they don't realize that that makes it so predictable for the audience. They're already anticipating the edit and it makes it less exciting. So it's okay to cut on the beat. Doing that. But once you do and once you have the audience conditioned, consider changing it up again and surprising them again. And not cutting it on... The obvious beat, but also not having that be odd to the audience is like a whole other skill in and of itself. And I think a lot of stuff like lowering the volume and stuff helps like that. And of course, like layering it under dialogue can help you transition into poppy music playing under a dialogue scene where, you know, where you instead of the beat editing and then just having the right moments lined up to just raise that volume and 
just slam it to the beat and have this little dancing guy <laughs> who's like it's like there's a musical instrument like playing to the beat and there's a whole thing about the filming of that too that to get it just right and i think they sped it up in post i feel like to kind of feel fit this kinetic slipping jimmy energy that the show's so known for yep could be also like i don't know if it's compression of time here but i do like as he walks through the door into the office it's a slow-mo shot of him little jump cut on there and then we cut from the white shot moving dolly to a reaction shot of his boss he's shocked to the other partner or junior partner who turns over and to me it feels like he still has to walk quite a while to get to them but in that reaction shot his hand comes in um saul's jimmy's right and yeah. He then breaks. Basically, he's already he already arrived at the group, and he's reaching out his hand towards the client and taking charge. Yeah, that's the magic of yeah cutaways and reactions, and talk about compressing time. That's a great call. And then the other thing is the way that the airman is used, the way that his his kind of like frenzy escalates as the scene escalates and as the music escalates is is cool in of itself because every time it's like they they find a way to ramp up what's going on in those little vignettes and then by the end you have the crazy fingers you know doing everything you have the guy just dancing like crazy there yeah and i and i swear he has to be sped up at uh at 317 317 he has to be sped up and then this thing at 2.15 where they have just a shot that they got of the actual ties blowing in the air. Okay, so I don't know the, where the that was filmed or what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Got it. Yeah, no, just this, to kind this, of this inflatable is dancing to the music. Like the way that the right. arms are moving and all this, it feels like somebody's rocking out. It's really cool. Right. And it's a great example also of, and you never know with this, group of writers maybe this is every moment of it's in the script but i presume you're being faced with a very well thought out challenge which is saying things like as jimmy does this the color you know the the airman is more colorful you know he's moving faster things are happening quicker you have to find a way in the editing to be naturally kind of escalating that and i really doubt in the script they're putting things like if we look at i think 210 here well, that's just a cool like split screen thing. But when he's putting all these ties on at two seventeen, they actually mess with, I think, overlap editing a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Where they have it, Match they had they're replaying moments. Yeah, when with the pink shirt, it definitely overlap edits. Like he he does the same gesture twice, and there's oh, just gotcha. so many ways to kind of get jazzy with that and just mix it up to fit that beat for those moments and then let the air out of it again. And it just keeps, and as an editor, it's like, where do you go from there? You know, you have to keep ramping it up in this scene. And then at the end we have, you know, the little borderline boxes, you get his face. It's just a a beautiful job of having escalation in a montage so that it doesn't kind of taper off. Cause it's like a three minute montage too, you know, and there's story being worked in. And and this show is rife with these things. And then the next week, they have to figure out another one. I wonder if they have, like, a montage quota for themselves on this show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a montage, and then there's a scene within a montage, like a full-on scene 
mm-hmm. uh, within a montage. Right. <laughs> but I want to I want to get back to you said overlap editing, and I said match cut. So on two thirteen, we see um, the ties in the air flipping, like just like dancing around, right? As if they are the airmen, the inflatable. And it's right. intercut with the airman, the inflatable. And even that guy has a tie, I just realized, in the freeze frame that is flipping in right. the air. And so it completely, I, that's a match right. cut, right? And then the overlap is a repeating well, action, which you pointed yeah. out at but 217, it's a, where he like pulls his tie together. And he does it several times, just different colored shirts, the same movement over and over again, overlapping it. Well, but also in one shot, it's actually the exact same gesture, just overlapped twice. Yeah, yeah. And then what it is, is a match cut's just, you know, something where you're matching the continuity in the three-dimensional space of the action, as mm-hmm. Walter Murch calls it. But in a montage, it's a graphic match cut when you have shapes or colors that match and you're going from one to the next and, to, and you use that to give the sense of continuity to the audience yeah. and allow that time is passing. So that's a a graphic match cut between the different ties. And if we're talking about reframing shots, we'll have to listen to that podcast that they did of this episode, but I'm willing to bet money that that shot of the ties is reframed. The ties blown in the air. And one of these shots of the dancing man, I mean, it just looks a little pixelated and totally, especially at two fifteen, it looks like they were just like, God, go for it. It doesn't seem like it's coverage that existed. I could be totally wrong. Could be YouTube's fault, but I'm willing to bet that the editors had the license to kind of experiment with punch-ins on, on this as well without yeah. getting sued. With QC passing that, which sometimes they don't, they didn't use to. That's There's crazy stuff in Breaking Bad. There's a whole section. They, there's a shot they needed of a ceiling once that they shot on like a 5D camera. Vince Gilligan was out taking photographs with his 5 or 7D. And Breaking Bad shot on film for the infamous train episode. Yeah. He just wanted to be on set taking photos. And they're like, we need another camera. And so his actual like, 5D got thrown in with the 35 millimeters, and one of the shots ended up in the uh, in the show. Lastly, the thing that I want to point out is reaction shots in here. So everything, Ooh. all these montages, they're nicely buttoned often with somebody being just in shock and awe, or several people, to give us this like the the reward of all this by seeing the end result of what he's creating here which is like they're just flabbergasted and they don't understand what he's doing, what his deal is. Right. And so really, really nice use of doing that. There's a split screen where we see him twice on the left and the right side, basic same position, just in a different suit. That's at 1.45 p.m. Uh, time code, not time. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it's a real cool one. It's it's quite different from the the infamous montage in Breaking Bad in the like the RV. I don't even know if that's the I, infamous one. I wouldn't be surprised right. if this is a Kelly Dixon montage. It seems like Ooh. it has her hand on this. It has her touch. Could be. It's a very fun thing to edit, but I could also see focusing on a big important dramatic scene and just giving this monumental puzzle headache to an assistant editor and being like, Hey, this is, I'm doing you a favor. This is your chance to stand up. I mean, that probably says more about me than it does. I mean, because montages are so fun to do, but on a network show, they are fun to do. And they're (laughs) probably not as difficult as one thinks. Like probably the dialogue scenes are trickier to cut because you really have to 
could be keep the audience could be engaged. yeah it just depends they're all they're honestly i guess i feel like that's kind of true in my experience montages are just such a joy to get to edit i feel like yeah it feels like there's less pressure as long as there you have the material even if you don't because then you can just break the rules everything goes out the windows you get to experiment it could be a lot of fun i have one last question for you sven yes do you think the the piece of music used for this was played throughout do you think it was created after or do you think that it was an existing piece of music that was repurposed for to ser- serve the purpose of this of this scene meaning it had to be trimmed down or did they let the music dictate the this the runtime of the scene and just cut to the music well it could be either or if if i would have cut that scene i would have already had the music because i would have that's the first right. thing I would have done is look for the music and say, okay, I know this mm-hmm. is, has to be a montage. It's all about the colors. It has to be split screen. It has to thematically be this. So what's the music that's going to fit with this? That's going to be like authentic and cool and original. And once I find that, I'll put it in. And it could change. I mean, you start off with one piece and then you realize, oh, it's not quite right or there's something better. Um, or that you have to do a sound alike you have to f- you have to compose something and then it might change but if if I cut scenes like this, I always start with the music right, but then also you're cutting the music down yeah i'll I'll chop up the you, music to make it work with the visuals and I'll turn the music off once I'm done cutting and look at it to see if if right. maybe there's a bad edit in there that just doesn't visually just doesn't hold up. Right. Because now, music are there everything. any places? Are there any places you notice a music cut? Um, not really. I mean, I didn't really pay attention to that. I know that the music sort of ramps up and then it goes kind of into a loop for a while. A loop is mm-hmm. where you can sort of decide. Okay, now I don't want to hear like the key, the main instruments that make up the melody. I just want to hear the percussions in the background, for example. Yeah. And then they can just keep going through a repetitive loop for a while and then ramp up again that creates dynamic range with the music you can uh, right focus in and focus then more on the dialogue again and on story and then go back into visuals and music and emotion pretty and, sure it's cut up that way and that's the best when you have music created specifically for you through the music supervisor or composer or whatever they find you a piece of music that's for this show and this show alone and you have the stems yeah. That you can kind of you can mess with. What are stems? Yeah, so I was just curious. I didn't I didn't notice anything. What are yeah. stems? Um, yeah. Tune in next week. Stems are the essentially you can think of it as just the different tracks, perhaps of different instruments, like you were talking about, right? The horns and the pipe. But I mean, in traditional editing, I don't know you know how often you get that from a musician. But when you do your sound mix and stuff like that, you get stems back where they separate dialogue, music effects, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's the difference between having a score versus a, uh, like a song that you license. Usually you don't get stems for a song, but if you have a composer that right. scores a specific piece, he will most likely deliver stems to you so you can decide whether it's going to be high dynamic range with lots of bright instruments that are like in the foreground or it's it's going to be do you want to like just drop out the the percussions completely and you just want to have whatever strings or 
whatever playing um, you have that control in the editing and with music library you tend to have the same control music library usually sounds a little generic because it wasn't done specifically for a show and has a certain character to that's very authentic to that show um, but having said that um, curb your enthusiasm is completely uh, relying <laughs> on a music library and that created the character of the show and became right. so dominant and so successful for that as well. Yeah. And and one last thing I want to mention is 57 as as the intro to this style of how we're going to be intercutting split screen stuff of Saul and the Airman yeah. is just such a brilliant, brilliant way to do that to the music. And it's just the Airman and then suddenly the shots of Saul, Saul start sliding in like film strips. Yeah, dropping in. I mean, it's so per it's such a perfect way to bring to to you know, again, everyone's on board at this point with this show and this montage, but to, to actually take the time to have something that's introducing you to the device that's gonna be used to keep the audience engaged. Not that anything was going to throw them. It's just so, such incredible, uh, thoughtful, subtle filmmaking. Now, Sven, should we have a, people guess what the one episode, the who, who left the comment? Brent. Oh, yes. the What one episode Brent did not wa- listen to yet of the podcast? I think oh, it, oh, it's I obviously. See. Um, <laughs> I know which one it was. Um, well, it'd be funny if it's the one that you think it is. Um, Peter Rabbit. Peter Rabbit, right. It's, it's so Peter that was Rabbit. Richard. Yeah, Richard one, said he, he listened to all 50 episodes except whoa, all 49, whoa. and he's missing one. Okay, so we'll find out next week. And we do have something really cool coming up on this podcast, and we'll be able to confirm it after next week for you. So yes. you can look forward to that. We'll have a cool episode coming next week. Leave us a comment or a question at This Guy Edits. It seems to be working. People are sending stuff in, and we're reading it on the podcast. And if you're really lucky, we're doing your request like we did today. And we really need one for next week. I have something I want to do, but Sven's not fully on board yet. So send something, and we will do it. Sounds but good. And the week after, we got it all planned out. We got something special for you. Yeah, go ahead. Subscribe if you enjoy what you're hearing. Subscribe to the podcast. <laughs> I mean, you can do it if you want. If you enjoy what you're hearing, subscribe to the podcast. Next week is actually going to be record-breaking episode 52, which means we've been doing it for one year worth of episodes, even though it's been a little over a year, as Fen will point out, because I screwed something up for a couple weeks. But we've done it every week, and we want to keep continue doing it. It's really fun, fulfilling for me. I hope for you too, Sven. It's opening my eyes. <laughs> to editing and that's so cool about it right it's like you have to listen so that it opens your eyes to editing whoa whoa that's going to be our slogan that's we have to put that on the yeah the one year update to the thumbnail listen to open your eyes wow and (laughs) thank you to curta for the music subscribe to the podcast if you enjoy it and as sven always says happy editing Oh, wow. How are you going to cut this one? Hold on. I'm switching to my phone. My headphones fell out. Okay.